I fucked you that up. You say that like you don't like to spend time with me. <laughs> I know. I like. I mean, we hardly ever see each other. Um, yeah, we yeah, should go probably. Ahead. Go ahead. Go. You have a what? It's a Beetlejuice. Oh my god, that's adorable. Did you get it at the play? I did. Okay, cute. Also, we're recording. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We'll get going now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we're off to a magical start this Monday morning. <laughs> we, we really are. And, this, and it's also par for the course. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and it's a very easy course, Laura. Like, I don't get it. Like, what is our problem? <laughs> no idea. Fuck. Um, all right, guys. Well, we're just going to jump right into it because this is our snack size episode. And yes, we are a week delayed. My internet was janky. And so there's that's that on that. So... Anyway, Laura, it's your week. Take it away. What are we, what are we uh, telling the folks about this week? We're going to discuss Stockholm Syndrome. I love it. And how that became a thing um, and where it actually came from. So the origins of, of the Stockholm Syndrome. Belgium. And, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, totally. In Belgium. Yeah, with the chocolate. <laughs> I gotcha. All right. This is how candy's made, guys. Um, my relationship with Carrie. Go on. <laughs> smooth like a dive of chocolate um, <laughs> I, I meant you. the Stockholm Syndrome but go on um, alright so hate let me you. give you <laughs> my give me your sources for today so it is apnews.com and abc.net.au oh okay alright sounds good right. that was a loud little suck that I just did right. twice now nope <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit right. that out <laughs> Fuck. you won't um, it's too much work. It's, so Stockholm syndrome is a common term these days, um, and it's used to describe the bond that victims of kidnappings or hostage situations sometimes develop with their captors. Um, and it got its name 50 years ago this week uh, during a failed bank robbery in Sweden's capital. Actually, mm. since I was supposed to record this last week, last week. <laughs> but <laughs> I get the idea. So <laughs> we're not really about dates and numbers and I mean, stuff whatever. on this show. I mean, nobody knows. Like, I can say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> um, the Stockholm Syndrome initially dubbed Normal Strong Syndrome after the square. I'm going to say that that's right. There's too many consonants in the Swedish word. There really is. Um, so after the square where the bank heist took place. Um, oh, okay. And it has since been used in connection with hostage takings around the world. Uh, so what is Stockholm Syndrome? Uh, it, refer- it does refer to the bond um, in, like I just said, the, the, the hostage situations. But right. the hostages develop sympathies for their captors and their cause. And a lot of times they even turn against the police. Oh. So rather than a diagnosis of a disorder, experts describe it as a psychological coping mechanism used by some hostages to endure being held captive and abused. Okay. Um, so the term can be traced back to Swedish criminologist and psychiatrist Niles Bejerat, who advised police in a standoff during a bank robbery in the Swedish capital 
in August of 1973. So during the standoff, some of the hostages appeared to side with the hostage takers and against the police, um, a phenomenon that he called um, that normal mom strong syndrome. <laughs> it's like listening to I a mean, baby learn to talk. <laughs> right. He was into catchy things. Um, so how long was the hostage situation? Like, how long were these people in the bank with the robbers? I'm going to tell you the whole bank robbery story. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go. Okay, sorry. Okay. I have so many so questions. On August 23rd, 1973, convicted thief uh, Jan Eric Olson, he was 32, tried to rob a bank in downtown Stockholm while he was on furlough from prison. Sure. So police responded quickly and a standoff ensued. So he was armed, Olsen was armed with a submachine gun, and he took four bank employees hostage and demanded three million kroner, a bulletproof vest, and a getaway car. How the fuck he do you get a gun on a furlough from prison? Listen, he was already a criminal. He probably had it. <laughs> so, <laughs> probably. He was hidden by a bush near his house. <laughs> right? Like, chill, man. I don't know. <laughs> don't be so judgy. Like, I don't know how he got one in Sweden. That's probably more of a feat. But uh, he also demanded that his former jailmate, Clark Olofsson, be released from prison and brought to the bank. Authorities agreed. (laughs) So the drama played out on live television in Sweden as police tried to persuade Olsen and Olofsson to surrender. Starting to see how he got the gun. Right. So even Prime Minister Olaf Palm got involved in the negotiations. Um, at one point, a hostage, Kristen and Mark, told Palm over the phone that she was afraid of the police and not of the two criminals. She appealed to authorities to meet their demands. And Mark later said she had developed a bond with Olofsson, whom she saw as the guarantor of her safety. So two police officers were injured with gunshot wounds during the standoff, which ended on August 28th when police using tear gas stormed the bank arrested olsen and olofsson and freed the hostages so it ended it was like yeah like five days fuck all right so this is Kristen's story so she was working as a stenographer um at the credit at spurge's credit bank when jan eric came smashing into her life uh she had recently broken up with her boyfriend and was planning to quit the bank in a few weeks so she could go back to uni but on that august day she walked onto the bank floor and found a gun-wielding man blasting rock music from a transistor radio. Jesus Christ. <laughs> she said, I know, right? I believed a maniac had come into my life, she told The New Yorker in 1974. And I believed, he had. Right? I believed I was seeing something that could only happen in America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. fair. fair. <laughs> so... Jan Eric, who had turned the radio on so he could listen to news reports about his own bank heist, bound Kristen's wrists and ankles with rope. She was among four employees he took hostage. In exchange for their freedom, he had a raft of demands. So first, he wanted Clark to be freed from prison and brought to the bank. And then he wanted to get the 3.4. It was the equivalent of 3.4 million, um, two guns, two bulletproof vests, and a Ford Mustang. So, <laughs> this is the most ridiculous thing I know ever awesome. heard. <laughs> so, <clears throat> the Swedish government gave police permission to remove a bewildered Clark from his prison cell and deliver him to the bank. Um, and like I said earlier, they were cellmates previously, sure. um, serving sentences for robbery. But they insisted that they didn't plan this crime together. 
Sure. So <laughs> instead, <laughs> so Jed Eric began to panic as his quick bank heist spiraled into a protracted siege. And he spontaneously demanded the most skilled criminal he knew be brought to his aid. So Sure. Yeah. So decades later, Kristen said that Clark helped keep the situation calm and was a great comfort to her and the other hostages. She said, we were very glad that he came because the situation became totally different. Um, he comforted me, held my hand, um, and he told her that I'm going to see that Jan doesn't hurt you. So what happened during the next six days inside the bank is still the subject of fierce debate among the police, the hostages, and psychologists. Jesus. So police refused to allow Jan Erickson and Clark to leave the bank if they attempted to take the hostages with them. Um the authorities also made a huge blunder in the first days of the siege. So while Jan Eric was still dressed in his disguise and he was speaking in a fake American accent, he was refusing to tell police his identity. So after poring over lists of prison escapes, they decided the bank robber was Kaj Hansen, who was a famous bandit who was actually hiding out in Hawaii at the time. So they sent in that guy's 16-year-old brother unannounced, believing that the sight of a loved one would convince him to end the siege. Uh-oh. Instead, Jan Eric fired two rounds at the boy, who quickly realized that the robber was not his brother. Jesus. <laughs> well, also, it's a miracle that he didn't actually hit the kid. Oh, for real, yeah. So... That was the moment the four hostages, including Kristen, started to question the competence of the men who had been sent to save their lives. That's when they started to question it. Okay. I mean, fair. Okay. <laughs> so Kristen decided that there was only one thing left to do. She picked up the phone and called Sweden's Prime Minister Olaf Palm to scold him. She said, I am very disappointed. I think you are sitting there playing checkers with our lives. I fully trust Clark and the robber. I am not desperate. They haven't done a thing to us. She said in a call that was recorded by the police. But you know, Olaf, what I am scared of is that the police will attack and cause us to die. Uh oh. So during the 42 minute call, the spirited young woman went head to head with the prime minister, demanding he let her and the other hostages leave the bank with Olsen. You are the highest person in the country. You can save my life, she said. Yes, the prime minister responded. But I think the best way of doing that is to not let them out on the roads. They must sooner or later understand that this must not continue. At one point, Kristen became frustrated and told Palm he should appoint her prime minister for the evening so she could be in control of her own destiny. He said that can't be done. <laughs> sure, because so... I don't have like a whole fucking country to think about <laughs> if these idiots get loose from this bank. Wow. So she said, I think you're being terribly unfair. Here are a great many policemen risking their lives who have not moved aggressively in, in all this time. The purpose, of course, is to protect you. Sorry, that was him that said that. Yeah. And then... Um, she ended the phone call with a sarcastic, thanks for the help. <laughs> that was Swedish for get back yourself. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> so after the six and a half days, um, most of which were spent holed up in the bank vault, the hostages heard the sound of drilling. Uh, police were making holes in the roof of the bank so they could fill the room with tear gas. Ugh. And as the hours passed, Jen Eric became increasingly agitated, threatening to kill the hostages if the police followed through on their plan. Don't send in gas, whatever you do, one of the hostages, uh, Sven, shouted at the ceiling. When Jen Eric tied a noose around her neck, Kristen believed uh, the possibility that she would leave the bank alive was evaporating. 
Oh, uh, from the moment Jen made me his hostage, I was afraid he would suddenly kill me, she said. But now it was the police I was afraid of. I felt hopeless. What difference did it make? I asked myself which one of them did away with me. Finally, the drilling stopped and police sprayed their gas, sending Jen, Eric, and his captors collapsing to the floor where they sputtered and vomited. Ugh. We give up. Let us out, Jen, Eric shouted. So Jen Eric was removed from the bank in handcuffs, surrounded by police officers and gas masks. The hostages were wheeled out in stretchers. But Kristen, refusing to play the damsel in distress, uh, sat stony-faced as she was taken to an ambulance. Clark, she called to the bank robber, who was unwittingly drawn into Jan Eric's scheme, loud enough for the assembled media and reporters to hear, I'll see you again. After her, her ordeal, Kristen publicly slammed the police for putting her life in danger. She also refused to testify against both men in court. Wow. Um, right. So the Niels uh, Bajer, the guy that came up with the Stockholm Syndrome, he yeah. never actually spoke to her directly, but he diagnosed her with a condition that he invented. So he claimed that. Listen, I do that to boyfriends was, all the time. Right. <laughs> you know what? I know what's wrong with you. Hold I on. absolutely have seen Where's this Where's my before? DSM card? Hold on. <laughs> Um, oh, that she was brainwashed by her captor. So um, it is expected that after a point, a bond of friendship springs up between victims and their cap captors, he said in 1974. So one of the most well-known cases happened the following year uh, in 74, when Patty Hearst, the 19-year-old granddaughter of a wealthy newspaper magnate, was kidnapped in the United States oh, yeah. by the <laughs> Symbionese Liberation Army, an unknown and an unknown armed revolutionary group. So, two and they went later, on to rob a bank, right? And <laughs> then the Swedes were like, "That's where it belonged," <laughs> right? <laughs> hey. Did I say the Swedes? The Swedish, the Swedes, right? <laughs> So two months later, questions concerning Hearst's ties to her captors and the notion of Stockholm Syndrome arose after Hearst declared her allegiance to the SLA, denouncing her family and posed for a photograph carrying a weapon in front of the SLA flag. She was arrested in 1975 and was sentenced to seven years in prison. Uh, President Jimmy Carter commuted her sentence in 1979, and she was later pardoned by Bill Clinton. Mm, I do remember when he pardoned her. Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome is not listed um, by the American Psychiatric Association uh, DSM manual um, right. or the International T Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. So some experts question whether it's a psychological condition at all or just a survival strategy, like rational choices <clears throat> made by some people as they face extreme danger. In I, the US. I could I could see I could see that. I think it should exist. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's legit. I think it might be a traumatic response, though, less mm -hmm. than like, yeah. uh, an actual disorder. Um, like how people, you know. Some people do on... handle traumatic events mm -hmm. differently. Like the same, like the other people in the Swedish bank robbery obviously didn't, you know, tout the virtues of, you know, Clark and whoever the hell else was there, mm -hmm. you know. Everybody handles trauma differently. Like, yeah, some That's do it true. outwardly. Some people like you hold it in and compartmentalize and just kind of keep it inside. I don't know. This is this is interesting. Sorry, continue. Oh, I just in ending. Uh, the U.S. law 
enforcement experts have said the phenomenon is rare and over-publicized by the media, uh, but it does still feature frequently in pop culture, including books, films, and music, and has entered the English lexicon as an informal term for people who forge unexpected bonds with those who treat them badly. Yeah. Well, I think um, there's a... a it's actually going to be on our episode. We've got a big, long episode list, and it's going to be on our episode list. But there's a um, a story of, I can't, her name is Colleen somebody. She's the woman under the bed. Have you heard that story? Mm-hmm. She was kidnapped by Cameron and Janice Hooker and kept on as a sex slave under their bed for seven years. And there were, like, moments where he would let her out and, like, go to the store with him or do, like, work around the property kind of a thing. And so they were saying that she might have had Stockholm Syndrome because she had, like, gotten to know him and this, that, and the other thing. And then I think they also said that Elizabeth Smart had developed a type of Stockholm Syndrome in the, what, seven or nine months that she had Mm -hmm. been kidnapped with her kidnappers. But... I think you're right. I think it's just, I have to do whatever I have to do to stay alive. And if that means making this insane lunatic believe that I care about them, I'll do it. I'd do it. Well, and I think that, yeah, like when you're under duress like that and under high, like stress for such a long period of time, like, yeah, your brain almost rewires a bit. Mm -hmm. So... I think there's a lot of ways that that can kind of be like, I think it's a real thing that can happen, but um, you know, whether it's a disorder or not, eh. I don't know. I I think it's interesting that more hasn't been like studied about it, but if the cases are rare, then how much can you study something that rarely happened? I don't know. That's interesting. Huh? Well, that's enjoy your, uh, that's your Monday story. That is a good one. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Dankeschön. That's the closest I got to Swedish. I, I was just going to say, is that Swedish? I don't know. Is that Swedish? Um, all right, probably guys. talk or something like talk. <laughs> all right, guys. That is it. Have the week that you will have. And I am up next week. And I'm just going to tell you right now, mine is a little bit technical and scientific. Um, so... I yeah I hope you don't fall asleep in the car as you're heading to work listening to my story it's really cool though I think sounds so fun (laughs) all right yay (laughs) (laughs) Laura's like see she's making me show up next week to listen to this garbage okay no it's gonna be a lot of fun um for me uh bye guys we'll see you next week (laughs) thank you